Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming and the even more screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. I'm your host, Greg. This is a podcast where we talk about movies of the year. This year we are doing 2019. It's also a game show where I pit two of my best friends off against each other to see who is my current best friend. And I'm looking at the big board and current best friend is Mike. Oh, thank you, Greg, for introducing me. Here are your keys. Your car has been washed, buffed, and Thank waxed. you. Just part of the best friend experience, something I do for you, letting you interact with my BMW. Ryan. Uh, speaking of BMW, Mike, here are your keys. Uh, I put a BM of mine right in the glove compartment. Oh! So that's Thank you. You know how I like it. The crowd already getting into it. Obviously supporting Ryan. Does the crowd think it's sexy? Uh, that, no, that was like a, we can't believe you told a good joke. Oh, Woo! Okay. Uh, guys, the reason for this season is marriage story. And we obviously, because it's 2019, we've all just seen marriage story for the first time. We haven't had a chance to like, for it to seep into our bones the way we have with some other movies of the year. But we did get a little preview of this movie before it came out, or at least I did. Did you guys see any scenes from this movie? Oh, well, before I saw it a came four out? quadrant meme of this movie a lot. Okay, I think that one of the most important things in award season is who's going to hold the belt of Star is Born, Trace Your Nose, Look Out the Car uh-huh. Window meme, and Mayor's Story has taken it. Now, the reason I ask it is because I saw that scene in its entirety before. I was able to see the movie. The whole scene? The entire scene, yeah. So, uh, and then there was commentary on it right. in a tweet that I read. And I have to say, I watched that scene, and I really wish I hadn't. Because you, you yeah. can't just get dropped into that scene and understand if the lines are good or bad, or if the acting is good or bad. And I felt like that gave me such a false start into the world mm-hmm. of this movie. Did either of you have that effect? Yeah, well, so I didn't watch it. I like, I guess I saw smaller clips and, and saw the images and all the discussion about what good acting or good writing uh-huh. is. But what what I what I think is so smart about this movie is the way it starts is so loving, so you can get crushed if you go in already knowing that exact scene word for word. Yeah, it, it, I could definitely see a different experience happening. This, I mean, I, I didn't see the scene, but it's why I won't watch Pawn Stars because. That scene of those two guys. Is that Ponsars? <laughs> that is West Coast Choppers. I'm remember. so sorry. West Coast Choppers of them screaming about a whole variety of topics. Yeah. Like, they talk about so many things in the exact same way. I have, from that meme, I have legit learned things. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You, sometimes you get it because it'll be like a, like a hardcore philosophical debate that you maybe like are kind of aware of. But then like that'll be really good information. And you're like, man, I and, learned something. And both sides of the yeah. whatever you're learning about. Like, this is, <laughs> this is so complicated. This is forming a dialectic right in my Twitter feed. Oh, my God. Look at this cat. I had no idea that israel and palestine had a deal with each other but like apparently they are fighting but does that take i mean for me it it, it's the part of the modern equation right is that we see we can see whole scenes or we can see memes so many times that before we can ever observe before it's even possible to observe the original content you have already seen it through some other filter and then we're denied our original take on it i I guess guess, and i think that uh, as time moves on then we have to like build up our filter, our pop filter even oh, more. Oh, very just good pop n- filter. Not look right. at that stuff, but uh, I I would agree with your fucking good friend over there that just gets <laughs> points. Um, that uh, 
the it's so late in the movie that I had like basically it it does its work to completely forget about those memes. I think yeah, even though that yeah. was he wasn't intending that when he was making it. Uh-huh. It's like we got to put a lot of shit in before this scene because <laughs> it's gonna get memeified. We're gonna, but it is like every every scene change was like is here yeah is now well, is and then happen? so okay th- then the experience of watching it they walk into that apartment together and you're like oh yeah oh, this is it oh, all right hey wall watch out buddy i've never you're about to get it i've never had an experience watching a movie where two people were so good together uh-huh um and usually when that's the case they will go apart and you're like this is stupid i want them back together where when they got back together it was like no 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 please please <laughs> separate them please you guys, now I'm sure we have all punched a wall in an argument, correct? I actually have hired a guy for the studio tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like a uh, very quick drywall fixer. Uh-huh. Just in case this argument gets heated, we can punch as many walls as we want. Now, I don't think it's appropriate to punch a wall in an argument, but uh, I think we've all been there. But let, let's critique the punch itself. The worst one. That That is, I mean, that's how you throw a punch? The dude? only thing I can think of that was worse is uh, in the last season of Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. Richard goes to punch a wall yeah. and misses the, <laughs> the entire wall. Uh, yeah, the, well, it, I think it shows that like he is not right. It's supposed to show he's not an aggressive dude, even though Adam Driver can be big and scary. He's performative. Go see Rise of Skywalker right uh-huh. now. Uh, that yeah, he's performative and he's a director. Like he he's much more. He is a, a theater guy. Yeah, he's not a puncher. Yeah, that I kept having to remind myself that Adam Driver is playing mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach, and so like. Even though you, you look at the two of them together, and Adam Driver is no joke twice the size of Scarlett Johansson, when he hands her a fucking jar, Adam Driver could probably break a jar in one hand, but she opens up the jar of pickles for him. It's like, okay, no, because that's not really... Adam Driver is playing a tiny man. It's hard with grocery bills because he eats every jar or can, like Popeye. <laughs> he just squeezes the middle, and it all flies into his mouth. Human rectangle, Adam Driver. Well, guys, speaking of Driver... I'm the driver. You call whatever positions you want in the car. Second. But we Navigator. are going on a road trip. Mount Rushmore. In a world where people move too slowly, where we take too much time to do things, there is a monument to rushing, a monument that tells us <laughs> we must rush more. And every week we make it anew in a glorious image of whatever we care about most. And guys, I think the thing that we all care about most right now is divorce. Am I right on that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about it right now. We are, are going to talk about some of the real formative divorces from you know pop culture, from our lives, uh, maybe from our grim futures. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? So these are going to be the divorces that helped, I think, shape us. And shaped a world. So my mom and dad right on the list, right? (laughs) All right, Ryan, I'm going to go to you first because you're the challenger. You're the plucky upstart. What do you think, what divorce belongs on the Mount Rushmore of divorces? Uh, I think that there's one obvious movie that um, this movie, I believe, trounced. Um, There is... We used to just uh, have this, like, Kramer versus Kramer is the go-to divorce movie. Yeah. Uh, Kramer versus Kramer is a joke Hallmark movie, a lot because of Marriage Story. Uh-huh. Like, this movie shat on its grave. 
Um, this is the origin story of the character Cosmo Kramer and from I, Seinfeld. I would like to put uh, Michael Richards' face on the mountain <laughs> to represent Kramer and Kramer. I think Kramer should go on the mountain. <laughs> well, because there is nothing that I can think of that is a negative association with that person. Absolutely not. Um, oh, no. You know what? He did a commercial for a Jack in the Box in like the late 80s when they were like having a bad time poisoning people. Yeah, Coli. So oh. that, I think that's the only <laughs> knock on his resume. Well, he... Kramer vs. Kramer has to go up on the mountain because until this movie existed, there was one like divorce movie, although that's like the subplot of almost every other movie, but because it's really about divorce and about the process of it, this was like the biggest divorce movie of all time. All movies in the 50s and 60s were about dudes cheating on their wives yeah. and the wife being like, nothing I can do. Oh man, I wish I could, but there's not. It's like all literature from the 70s. It's just men fucking everybody around them and uh-huh. the wives being like, this is making me cross. <laughs> nope, wait, I'm crazy. Oh, I'm freaking out. Well, right up on the mountain with Kramer versus Kramer, of course, it will be the picture of Denise Richards. Mike, what do you think belongs on our mountain O divorce? I think there is, you're either the weird kid who taught your friends about divorce or everybody in a certain generation watched a movie and had to watch the brutal Sally Field and idiotic Robin Williams get divorced. I think Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire is about the lengths uh, divorce can push one too, and it's apparently uh, my grandma likes to bring up a lot lately that it's the first movie she remembers me crying in, and I'm famous for crying <laughs> in movies in this show because uh, I related so hard to kids not be able to see their dad. Now it, so I did two and one. Um, this is the movie that also changed gang relations; that there were no drive-by shootings, but instead run by fruiting. Drive by, yeah, run by fruiting. Yeah. Dude. Run okay, by fruiting. that is a, that sound that we need for this show, and then of course the. We need that very well. Uh, I've told this story often on Moody, uh, so often that I think that Mike thinks it happened to him. Uh-huh. But uh, my mom, on the day that she told uh, me and my brother that uh, me and my, uh, her and my dad are getting divorced, said, all right, we'll go to the movies as a distraction, <laughs> and took us to see Mrs. Doubtfire. And my brother was just on the floor, like, uh, <laughs> heaving tears. It was awful. No, we just have similar broken pasts, Ryan. Uh, wow. That's a classic right there. I have to say, that's definitely a good movie. And you know why it's going to go up on the mountain? It's because it's a particularly good one for tonight. And it's not just because it's also about divorce. It's about a guy who doesn't do dick all in his marriage. And then the second is over, then starts bending over backwards to build some sort of life and relationship with his children. By doing the most fucked up, By doing the psychopathic most fucked- <laughs> shit possible. Man, just be emotionally available yeah. for the people around you, stupid idiot. It's so weird to watch these movies as kids and be like, Sally Field, what a cunt. What are you doing? And then grow up and be like, how did you marry this guy in the first place? Yeah. Like, what was going yeah. through your head? Because society tells women, just pick any stupid idiot. <laughs> They're all so stupid and we can't control anything they do, but you have to sidle up next to one of them. All right, Ryan, there's already two spots taken on the mountain. Yes, I think I can do this. Um, And this is important to me, so it has to be important to you guys and our audience, I think. Um, As I was dealing with the divorce of my parents, and knowing for a fact that I would get divorced the second I got married as an adult, (laughs) um, I was dealing with both uh, Sally Field and Robin Williams' divorce and also trying to figure out how to draw dignity. And <laughs> there was no way that Marge and Homer were going to get a divorce, even though that's the most obvious one in pop culture history. Uh, but Kirk and Luann Van Houten yes. was such an impactful <laughs> divorce for me. And also, too, I think what was going on at that time was all of my friends' parents were getting divorced, like Bart's friends were, and I wasn't yet. So yeah. I was like, oh, Millhouse is just all my friends. <laughs> 
I was cocky. That episode has some of the best lines of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It makes good radio, so let's run through them. Uh, there's the part where he's in his bachelor pad, and he says, uh, the dad says to Homer, uh, I sleep in a racing car. Do you? And Homer says, I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Uh, he loses his job, and his boss is like, um, what's the guy's name? Fan- Van Houten, but what's his first Kurt name? Van Houten. He's like, oh, he's like, uh, Kurt, uh, crackers are a uh, family food. Uh, maybe single people eat crackers. We don't know. Frankly, we don't want to know. So, Greg, when you said we were going <laughs> to run the room, you were just going to take yeah. all the good ones? Or the one where uh, <laughs> Luann is, like, boxing up all of Kurt's stuff, and then she puts a uh, lighter fluid on it, and she's like, uh, forget everything you know about Luan Van Houten. And Marge is like, actually, I don't know that much about you, Luann. And she goes, forget it. <laughs> But oh. it was at a time, too, where divorce wasn't cool yet. It wasn't what all the adults were doing. Uh-huh. Um, so it was that thing uh, like at a, a dinner party or whatever where like it would freak people the fuck out that you were getting divorced. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they thought it was infectious, which it was because suddenly people went, wait, freedom? Is yeah, dude. I'll do that then. I'll do that one. <laughs> well, that's going up on the mountain. I'm just a man. There's nothing I can do. I, mean, I can't resist any of these. Mike, there's one spot left. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to go, I'm going to already declare these three maybes, one from you, one from Ryan, and then another from you. So give me your first of the two remaining maybes. I love that because I have two great options and I don't need to choose. Uh, this one, uh, the divorce was so powerful and the aftermath was so powerful that people now wanted it. It was no longer sad. It was no longer infectious. And now it's like, Julia Roberts, just follow her path lane. Just eat, pray, love uh-huh. your way through the world because divorce is... It's all about good stuff now, baby. Find your round two. So you're saying that Eat, Pray, Love did for divorce, but like Top Gun did for joining the Navy? <laughs> yeah, like oh, everyone was doing it. Sure. So many hot middle-aged women were like, you know what? I am going to fuck James Franco in India. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Eat, Pray, Love. Very specific, but it did happen a lot. I'm going to do the opposite of Mike then. Okay. What Julia Roberts did for divorce in the positive way, I think Toby Flenderson did in the negative way. Uh, divorce sort of just created him <laughs> to be this fucking... Michael Scott punching bag that he was. Uh-huh. Um, there was clearly in this divorce one person who wanted it and had a very happy life. Yeah. His wife that we never meet. Yeah. And then there's Toby. And I think there's a lot of Toby's post-divorce. Yeah. Uh, what is so tragic about Toby is it's very clear that like he had a good life at some point, like uh-huh. a very good life. Like, you know, I was, I was like surfing in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And at some point, God just started like, torturing him and that's how it's going to be for the rest of his life yeah and that makes it worse because he can always look back to that kernel of like when he had some sunshine in his life but it's gone forever now <laughs> well i think these two are a dyad of divorce i think <laughs> the julie rot like toby's wife was fucking hot dudes throughout the world did, and, did toby's wife go yeah. eat pray and love <laughs> yeah yep all, all right mike what else you got i'm gonna bring it uh we don't talk about music a lot because we don't know a lot about music uh, but this is a real one. Uh, we weren't sure if they were brother, sister, or married. Turns out they were married, and they and very sister. excitedly inve- uh, invited all of their friends and family to have a giant soiree to announce they were getting divorced and sign the paper in front of them because they knew it was just the best for both of them because uh, growing was okay. Jack White and Karen Elson. <laughs> I saw an interview with Jack White recently. I don't remember, or a podcast or something. And uh, they were like, do you still talk to her? And he was like, no, she's weird. Like, <laughs> no, like, she just went away and never came back. She's clearly very weird. Mm. Like, but very cool. Uh, but yeah, if, I guess if you would avoid her, you probably would. So let's see. I can eat, pray, and love. I can Toby, or I can white stripes. I'm going to say eat, pray, love. I think that that is like a very iconic, iconic one. 
Uh, and I also believe that she meets and eventually marries a, a guy that from Eat, Pray, Love. And then in real life, the author of that book divorced that guy as well. <laughs> so that's a, that's a double divorce. I think we're all... Re- like realizing that if there's marriage, there will be divorce. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's see. I, I didn't give you guys points. So Ryan, what's the first one on the mountain? The first one is Kramer as Kramer versus Kramer. And that's you. Yes. Ryan. So that's one for Ryan. Your Who's second next? head is Mike's Mrs. Doubtfire. Mike. Your third one is my Kirk and Luann Van Houten. Ryan. And your fourth one is Julia Roberts from Eat, Pray, Love, and that is Mike. Mike. Well, good job, guys. You both got a couple, and I'm super excited. I can't wait. I want a divorce. (laughs) When we come back, it's time to start talking about Marriage Story. Noah Baumbach's entry into the 2019 bracket is Marriage Story. It tells the tale of Charlie, a character who's definitely not a stand-in for him, even though Adam Driver looks and acts exactly like Baumbach wishes he could. And also, Noah got divorced from Jennifer Jason Leigh a couple years ago, and Nicole played by Scarlett Johansson, as they go through not a marriage story, but a divorce story. What starts off as a marriage winding down into a congenial split-up becomes a war, thanks to courts, lawyers, L.A., New York, gender battles, codependency, and, of course, a child. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson have received all of the accolades, and it will probably receive more before it's said and done. But what about Laura Dern, Ray Liotta, and Alan Alda as our three main lawyers? How important are these performances and characters to the success of the movie? So important because they they are seductive. They they draw these people to act from what we've seen very out of character. Uh-huh. And even and they all have different tactics. Cuz what do you take their character to be? Of the two main Scarjo you... and Adam Driver? Yeah, Charlie Charlie and Nicole. I, I yeah. do I do think they, they, they are pretty congenial and friendly and they fucked each other up and they they, they know who should hurt each other, but they're like, let's just handle this the way it should be handled. Uh-huh. And I think because they're both in emotionally vulnerable states, it's very easy for predators of different stripes and spots to take advantage and Laura Dern goes the I'm your friend. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm, kick off my shoes while I talk to you. Yeah. And like I'm not here to gaslight you like he did. And she's like, no, he was really friendly. She's like, yeah, but not really. But all she does is bulldoze and gaslight. Ray Liotta uh-huh. is like, look, we're all pricks. That's what it's going to be. I'm a prick. You're a prick. But here we have, we got to prick the hardest. And then Alan Alda is like, look, lawyering sucks. This is very hard. Well, and he's either, he's either like doing the friend angle in a different way or he's bad at his job. It's really hard to yeah. tell. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that Alan Alda holds that role that it typically goes to like, uh, you know, like black people in movies that are older and might be ghosts. Uh-huh. You know, like they come in, like your bagger vances that come in and like sort of just tell white people how to, he's basically shouting out themes of the movie. Yeah, and they're not like people unto themselves. Right, they're just exactly. Like projections. But I think that like Nicole and Charlie are so three-dimensional. Like that's the movie's greatest strength, right? Yeah. Is that they're three-dimensional. That something happens with these right. lawyers. And I think that it's important, especially with all the gender battling that's going on, um, I think this is a very 2019, here's what boys and girls actually think uh-huh. sort of movie, that it's important that Scarlett Johansson got a female lawyer and Charlie got a male lawyer because I think what's happening is all of Charlie's worst fears about what Nicole and women think uh-huh. become Laura Dern's character. Like this very yeah. empowered, women are in control, women have been down too long, women have desires too. And all of Nicole's worst fears about what Charlie or a dude could be, just like very thoughtless, 
like run towards the goal, yeah. don't give a shit, is what Ray Liotta is. Yeah. It's it's sort of like angels and devils on the shoulder, but like it's just I don't we're too three dimensional as a married couple to be able to do this like we want. We have yeah. to go hire two dimensional men and women to get this done. Because you have to hurt somebody to get divorced, right. and they don't—they're not equipped with those tools. So they were like, "Let's go to the professionals." I mean, it's like—it's not. I mean, Nicole starts it, and Nicole ends it, and that's mm-hmm. like a big part of like, uh, is Nicole good or bad? But uh, Nicole's whole thing is that I don't think I can say to you the things I need to say in yeah. order to get what I want, which has been a problem with my marriage for the right. first ten years of it. Well, from the whole beginning of the relationship, right? At first, when she gives that big, long speech to Laura Dern, she says, like, when we were first going out, I didn't realize we were, like, setting the tone for the entire relationship, but I just kind of went along Mm -hmm. with him and sort of just, like, lived his life with him for a while, and then that became the way we did things. Which then becomes, like, a water balloon in Charlie's face when he's like, oh, I didn't like any of that. Like, well, you liked it before. Yeah. Did I? Didn't you? I don't know. And that, that, that shows, like, how complicated and fucked up romantic relationships can be but in that long speech which i think should get more credit that so the fight is getting all the credit and scene that monologue is i feel like that's the second place though right that gets the second most i guess i haven't heard anybody talk about it but the way she goes back and forth between angry and sad and flip and i guess we should have a normal conversation i'm still trying to hide stuff is fucking great i have to say i do think that there's a lot that's good about her performance and but i a lot of it that's amazing. Like there's that in the middle of that monologue, she just starts to tear up, like mm-hmm. at, at like the perfect moment. But also I, eats cookies at the perfect moment. She eats cookies at the exact right moment. But I don't know. I think I might not like her as an actress, although I acknowledge she's talented. I feel like I see the work. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I was gonna say uh, that I've always been a step behind everyone else as far as like appreciating how great she is, yeah. and it's because of that. But the difference with this movie and all the other performances is that she is a theater actor. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. And that's what uh, it feels like a lot of that is coming in. Like, yeah. not only is she being right. vulnerable and open and all that stuff, but she also sort of knows how to yes. walk around the stage. She's and a play director, the scene. right? Yeah, like, she, she's like composing every, the scene as she's in it. Every scene she's in, if it, because, and her whole thing is, he's always in control, I'm not. But, like, from the party where they're on the phone, she could go to a private place, but she goes to where somebody could overhear. Like, yeah. she does play everybody who's not Charlie, and even Charlie, but, like, she plays everybody around her while being like, I don't know why I never get to have a voice. Like, <laughs> that is one of those, like, diabolical parts of her characters. She owns, except for her mom. Her mom is the one true right. bulldozer in her life. Uh-huh. Uh, but she knows how to work every room. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's being the star. And this this happens to take place in show business where he is a New York Broadway director and she was in movies and wants to get back in Hollywood to be on TV. But there's still a lot of like, it, I mean, it just, it stands in for like uh, all relationships when mm-hmm. somebody feels like more of the quote unquote star. Uh-huh. And now it's time right. for me to be that. They'll, They'll take over. They'll own any room they're in just to feel that feeling. Yeah, you know? totally. That embarrassing. Oh, fuck. What was the song? Uh, the drive a person crazy. That because it's mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. The mom has the DNA and the sister all like, and that's. Uh, you're just making your friends and family watch you do this horrifically embarrassing performance. Mike, we do and this for every party that you and I throw. <laughs> I know. I don't like seeing myself represented on screen <laughs> and then having the, the perfect balance of, because I was like, oh, oh. And then Adam Driver, who thinks he's so much better uh-huh. than Nicole, does the same fucking thing. I am glad you brought up that performance because uh, 
when we are as we are talking about actors, obviously the two bright faces up front, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, are going to get a lot of the credit. We talked about Ray Liotta, Laura Dern, and Alan Alda, but we absolutely have to talk about the best actor in the whole piece, which is Merritt Wevers, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. who plays her sister. This is, I always love an actor that can come in and just basically give me like 25 lines and I'll give you the best performance in the movie. This She's on a completely different level. She is so funny. People know her from like, um, what was it, Nurse Jackie? Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Uh, the, mm-hmm. This year's uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, but she is absolutely like destroying. I mean, I, I to me she was that was the most pr- impressive performance in the entire piece. Her and and like so much needed levity where yeah. like, Bombach does have like flashes of comedy in most of his movies, and I was like, I really need it. Flashes and then she of came comedy. In the the pie, everything about the pie, and her like not knowing how to talk about the pie or and, like he's like what? Was so fucking she's like, like, did you make the pie? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> no. He's like, where'd you? It's, and she's it's like, pecan. Yeah. Like, and then he's so like, mad. is that where you got it? And she's like, what? <laughs> I think flashes of levity is downplaying what Bombach does. I think this all of his comedy, movies are right? very funny. This is just this uh, is a comedy. But I hesitate talking about Bombach too much because some people in the fucking room think that I might be too much up bomb butt, and uh-huh. uh, you know I don't want to get screamed about that again. Here's and I know that all my baby. opinions tonight are invalid because of what I feel about this director. But it's not just. It's not just how funny it is. It's where it is. Yeah. It's like we get the two uh, love letters in the... It's not like a therapist, but like a... I guess like... It's like they refer to him as a mediator. Mediator. So we get the two love letters and then a little bit goes on and then we get Merritt Weaver scene. And I feel like it's supposed to like set us up to get even more devastated. Yeah. Like if that was later on in the movie, it would be just as funny, but not as effective as a tool right there. Yeah. Man, it really like... And she's just one of a couple other actresses that have great performances as well. Because there's also Martha Kelly, who you might know from Baskets. And her arm is healed. Yeah, her arm is fully healed now. She was also the park ranger in that the the Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, or Uh the first one, Homecoming. Uh, But as the, like, I'm going to come in and observe you in your home. Oh, she was horrible to watch. Like, she was so great. Yeah, the way she just uh, drinks water. like. And then I'm done with my water. I'm done with my (laughs) water. What do you want me to do with that information? (laughs) So really, it's like the, the performances all throughout this movie are very impressive. That was- it almost, I don't want to say stunt casting, but there is this mm-hmm. thing that I think Soderbergh started of don't go with the normal casting. Don't put like uh, Julianne Moore in every single supporting yeah. role. But uh, Merritt Weaver and then um, Robert Smigel was the arbitrator, uh, uh, the creator uh, of yeah. Triumph. Okay, <laughs> I knew I recognized TV that guy. <laughs> and then the judge, who only has like one line. Uh, at the end, where he's like, uh, "This is not my circuit, so I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't usually work with kids, so I'm gonna." That's another comedian that's very famous. Yeah, uh, I, Mr. I, Hall from Clueless who? to represent all weird theater people. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, like, because I remember the billing of this movie was that it was a a drama, a devastating drama. Um, and maybe we'll get into why in a little bit. But it, what is notable about it is a very like effervescent comedy. Mm. A lot of it is, is done very well and seems to purposely be funny more than anything else. And then just with the occasional gut punch into the heavy-duty drama. I think the issue with Bombach too, uh, as far as Mike goes, is that uh, the comedy sort of comes from organic places. The uh-huh. drama comes from that. And uh, at no point does anybody like crash a car through a building. And that's just hard for Mike to watch. <laughs> Mike hates that. That seems that seems rude. What? Let's for the listeners at home. Let's talk about what else Bombach has done because he's the director and the writer of this movie. Yes, and then before, and like, it's about basically his life. And uh, 
he had directed two movies before Squid and the Whale, but that was like, this is the yeah. bookend. Yeah. That was about a kid going through divorce, and now we have this. In between was Francis Ha, a nearly perfect film. Yeah, Francis Ha is amazing. I think Francis Ha is, is where the fight yes. began. It absolutely then, is. Yeah. Because the person, like, because like, Greta Gerwig is the person that he, in real life, slept with, right? Right. She's the... Noah Baumbach, she's the stage behind manager. Behind the stage manager, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I thought that was an interesting bit of trivia. In fact, I hope I didn't <laughs> put it in the trivia segment. Now I'm wondering... Oh, we're going to get it. If I oh. did. Well, guys, I'm going to whisk you away to a pay-guarded part of our content, which is just for the Patreon listeners. The flowers are much nicer there. Yeah, there's a babbling brook. Uh, Vegetables and fruit in the water. Taylor's Creek that he always talks about. You're a big boy. You are a big boy. You're the biggest of boys. Wait, vegetables and fruit in the water of the babbling brook? Like, it's cranberries. Just, cranberries are growing so, in water. So they're just floating you on the just ground. Drink it. It's like uh, the chocolate fountain for Augustus Glute in Willy Wonka. <laughs> we have that with spa water in ours. We're fancy. When we come back, Patreon only content. It's that time of year. Toyota Thon, but also trivia. Ladies and gentlemen, I have written the questions. I vaguely remember the answers. Let me get all the way through them because some of them I worked very hard on. Uh, and then say your name, and that's how you ring in, and then I will call on you based on if you have pleased or displeased me. What gi- <laughs> what gifts does Nicole give Charlie in the opening monologue? Not monologue, but opening montage. Ryan. Mike. Ryan. The gift of shorter hair. Not the gift of shorter hair. Mike. Mike. Sock darning needles? Nope, it's a trumpet. Watch the movie, oh, dum-dums. Yeah. That was a good scene. Laura Dern, Adam Driver, and Scarlett Johansson all contributed what to the script? Ryan. Ryan. Their names. Their names, yeah. They were, that's why they are all going by their actual names. No. Mike? <laughs> Mike. Uh, lines of dialogue? Not lines of dialogue. They all contributed their own personal stories, either with divorces. Scarlett Johansson was going through her second at the time. Uh, or just relationships that broke up. Why does everybody want to divorce Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> Could, can she seriously be that difficult? The way that I thought that I was getting the question right, Greg, and then you stomped on my heart and uh-huh. I got it wrong. That's, is that worth like two points because of that? <laughs> that is worth zero points. How many times do Charlie and his son, Henry, cry at the movies in the beginning montage? Ryan. Mike. Ryan. Once. No. Mike. Mike. Three. Nope. Four times. They both cry four times during the movie. Who has never cried at a movie once? Mike. Mike. Greg. Me. I've, nev- I've never cried at a movie. Anytime I have felt it coming on, I've been like, no. I'm- you, just, you squeeze a nut really hard. I choose not to. I'm not going to cry right now. This Dude, is a movie. I cried at the Mulan trailer last night. I cried everything. But And I'm not like that with other stuff. I think that's very weird. I, I won't let myself cry at a movie. I just don't feel like doing it. Mike, did you cry because it should be a male hero? It's a fucking mm-hmm. girl oh, hero. Yeah, what come is this? on, Mike. Come on, Mike. This is your best oh, friend, Greg. It swept is- away by the nobility of the story. <laughs> Is, there's going to be music in that, right? I, I don't think so. There's not going to be. I'll I don't make think a they're going like, to start singing. Uh, I think it'll be like, like a man it's in the, in the score, you. maybe. Like I, the the score of the trailer is the music from one of the songs from the cartoon. We're listening to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do some howls over you. Hey, Mike, wait to buy a puppy. I, yeah, I, 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 hey, you know, listeners, I have a puppy. You yeah, paid for this. There's a dog in his house, and she's going to be making noise. She's adorable. I'll post her picture on our shit. Do you hate little dogs, everybody? I do. She should be paying attention to that peanut butter mat, though. Get your shine box. <laughs> what is probably not notable 
but someone on the internet decided it was about the iconic fight scene from this movie. Oh, uh, Mike. Mike. That it was not improvised. Yeah. People freaked out that they wrote and acted it. Okay. Like a normal movie. There's this really? really, yeah, that's a real thing. Uh, right. And this is a really weird thing I've noticed on Twitter. I think that that is a weird take that somebody had. They're li- they literally tweeted, like, uh, can you believe all the parts of this scene are actually written out, including all, including all the pauses? None of this is ad-libbed. They just, like, wrote and memorized all these lines. And then other people lined up by the thousands <laughs> to dunk on that person. They're, every time one of these big things come out, like, there's, like, a big movie that comes out or a big finale, like the Game of Thrones finale or the Joker movie, somebody comes up with a tragically bad take on it. That, like, Danny walking out while the dragon wings spread behind her is going to be taught in film classes for the next 50 years. Or that the Joker... <laughs> and that was improvised, which is hard to do the, with the dragon. Yeah. The Joker... The dragon, you can't control a dragon. That Joker quote, you know, the freeing of the Joker, the ringing of the bells, like, the most be- <laughs> one of the most beautiful, iconic, breathtaking stands. Okay, those are all bad takes. Why do we, like spend a year dunking on the people for it. They're just stupid idiots. It almost makes me nervous that people will come up with purposefully bad takes just to get all the attention, Greg. Yeah, right? What, and I want the attention. <laughs> uh, what about my bad takes? Okay. Your takes are too good, best friend. <laughs> oh, dang. That is so true. It's such a good point. This is like American politics. It's so rigged. <laughs> you know what? That's a good call. Right. Uh, Topical. Who did the soundtrack of this? Even if you didn't look it up, you could just know who did the soundtrack for this movie. Right. Ryan. I wrote a Mary story score, and now you're going to listen to it. Dude, Randy Newman, like, Ryan. there is no way I could convince you that somebody else wrote the score to this movie. <laughs> That's actually what I heard about more than the scene with the wall punching or something, is that he fucking botched this movie. <laughs> and I liked it. I thought it, I thought it worked. It's, it's, all sli- yeah. it's all slide whistle, which is weird. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But it's basically like he put his name in the movie. Hey, I'm Randy Newman. But like, just to be clear, though, it's the L.A. Philharmonic slide whistle group. Like, it is yeah. 34 oh. slide whistles that he is conducting. They are very talented. What does the babysitter do as soon as Charlie and Nicole come home from closing night of the play? Ryan. Mike. Ryan. Uh, she buckles up her pants. Okay. <laughs> okay. I watched this movie twice, and I only noticed that the second time. I noticed it right away. They come home early, and she gets up and is like, oh, God, you're here early. And then she buckles up her pants. And then says, you guys are so hot. She was Uh, wanking it to the married couple. I was going to give her a pass and be like, maybe like pants are tight. Sometimes it's cool to relax. No. Like post-Thanksgiving, you mean. Because she said... You guys are both so attractive. It's like you were looking at their family picture yep. and just flicking. You 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 were thinking about being part of their triangle of love, which is even sadder because they're actively getting divorced at that point. <laughs> but yeah, that man, that is like a very subtle nod to here is a person getting walked in on masturbating. <laughs> Adam Driver famously stopped an interview with NPR with this NPR host when she played a clip of him singing from the end of the movie. Which NPR Mike. host is it? Mike? Ryan. Mike. Terry Gross. Terry Gross. Very good, Mike. Mike. Hey, fellas, what do we think of Terry Gross? What's Mike. our, like, let's confab. Everybody put your head together. What do you think about Mike? What do you think about Terry Gross? I'm a, I'm a fan. She she does pretty solid interviews. She's I'm a, a big fan. What do you, th- Ryan, what do you say? I think that uh, she's okay at her job. I don't, I, uh, I, I wouldn't put her on, like, the bacon list of yeah. why are we so, we're all just going to say that this is wonderful, but she's good. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give it to Mike. Uh, because Terry Gross very solid, but this was a bunk move. If somebody says they don't want you yeah. to play, like that they have anxiety about listening to themselves, you don't have the right. 
also to, like, make them some real Howard Stern shit. Yeah. Please don't do a thing that like once again divides the nation. Like all of the people that this side hates say like you can't do anything to anyone ever. You must treat him with uh-huh. kid gloves. And the other side was like, What a little bitch. He should be able <laughs> to listen to himself. Stop doing that. Yeah. Stop doing that, Terry Gross. But on the balance, Terry Gross, I think very good at her job. Probably, and yeah. I'm a listen. I'm a listen. Uh, what is notable about the scene that she played? The one where he sings? Ryan. Ryan. Being uh, alive. That uh, I, I am always appreciative of someone who uh, can sing really well but also sound like them. Uh-huh. This is what I call Jack Black theory. Uh, I think that he has a really good voice. Yeah. That's what I think is notable about it. <laughs> Mike, do you want to see if you can guess what's notable yeah. about it? Mike, it's the second time he's sung in a movie, and Tara Gross also played Outer Space Mr. Kennedy in front of him. <laughs> now she just fucking hates him. Is that true? Oh, no. Ryan. Oh, man. I got it. Uh, what is it, Ryan? Uh, it's from the same musical that uh, Scarlett Johansson and her family sang from. Is it really? Are they it's, both from? It's Sondheim's company. You know what? Ryan. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that's the answer. Uh, also, it was shot in just one take. That's like, pretty. Like the hit film 1917? Like the hit film 1917. <laughs> One take. I'm setting the over-under on our marriages, where we are all three married, at one half, 0.5 divorces. What are you taking? Are you an over or an under? I have to be an over. Ryan. Ryan. I have to be an over. And, like, I love all of our marriages, but odds are, right? Mike, do you want to weigh in? Mike, yeah. uh, uh, It's over. Yeah, You think it's an over? My marriage. My marriage is over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say... I think it's an under. Yeah, you Aww, would. I think, sweetie. I think it's an under. What is Frank's advice to Charlie? Frank is played by Wallace Shawn. Um, the, what is it, pig from? Toy Story. Toy Story. <laughs> uh, the pig from Bear's <laughs> Story. Uh, he's the old balding actor. What is his advice to Charlie when he learns of Charlie's impending divorce? Ryan. Mike. Mike. Fuck everybody fuck, fuck as many people as you can Mike. fuck everybody girls Mike. guys and i think that if you're in the new york uh broadway scene uh uh-huh. whatever you think your the sexuality that you were born with does not matter anymore. uh-huh like, it's just everything gone. yeah uh, is that good fuck advice the pick from toy story you, <laughs> that's what he's really saying right to bang me uh <laughs> do you guys think that's good advice absolutely yes yeah right Mike. that's good advice i th- I don't. I, not to not to feel better. I mean, it'll be fun, and you'll have stories, but that's not going to help you get over your marriage faster. <laughs> that's probably true. No, yeah, I, like it's definitely not uh, healthy healing. Yeah, do it anyway. Yeah, don't. Well, isn't it a good opportunity to get that out of your system? Yeah. Because what happens if yes. you get through this rocky patch, or you even get divorced, and then right away you meet the next woman that you're supposed to be with forever? Do you got a you got a little eddy here where you can kind of just. Get it on out of the old system. And Adam Driver brings up the fact that he lost his 20s at some point. So he probably needs it. And strictly blames her. Got to get it out of the old system. Um, What is a better costume, Frankenstein or store-bought ninja? Mike. Mike. That Frankenstein costume ruled. That yeah. ninja was stupid looking. Yeah. That, I mean, that's obviously supposed to be like, oh, this poor guy. Like, he can't win for losing. Uh, even his kid doesn't want this custom Frankenstein costume. But on top of that, yeah, come on. That's a cool Frankenstein costume, dude. Yeah, I mean, and also the fact that Adam Driver, this... Uh, he I, literally called it Storebot Ninja. The kid himself <laughs> said Storebot Ninja. Which I didn't think that it was a ninja costume bought at a store. Yeah. I thought, like, that's what the ninja was stood for. Bargain bin for. ninja. <laughs> um, but then uh, you have to back up. If Adam Driver 
And this movie's going to be so on the nose as to dress him as the Invisible, invisible Man. man. And you have to be his sidekick. Dude, okay, he's the Invisible Man that Halloween, and the next Halloween, he's a ghost. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's like a ghost that just follows around this other family. You know what? I love subtlety. I enjoy film, <laughs> and I like things that you can think about. Uh, we will probably get into some of this in a little bit. Uh, what movie is Charlie watching on, in the scene where he's dressed as the Invisible Man on Halloween, and he's like falling asleep waiting for Henry to come over, his son? He's dressed as the Invisible Man. What movie is on the TV? Ryan. Ryan. The Invisible Man. Not the Invisible Man. That would have been too on the nose. Mike. Mike. Hollow Man. No, it is Legend. <laughs> With Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah, because that's the Tim Curry. You can hear the voice. Okay, Fuck. guys, how fucking bonkers is Legend? <laughs> Mike, so fucking bonkers. Okay. I love it. It yeah. needs to get way more play in Dude, conversation. I mean, like... The, to say a movie is like not like movies they make anymore is probably like so hack at this point. But honestly, there is no movie that's as crazy that would be made in modern cinema as Legend is. Ryan. Ryan. And I miss other segments where I don't have to do that before I talk. But uh, <laughs> Mike, we have uh, on an old school podcast reviewed that movie. Why? Do you remember? I Probably because I grew up with it and watched it a thousand times and forced you to. You forced us to. Okay. It is. Yeah. It's so weird and bad. But I would say... It's good parts are good and it's bad parts are good. Yeah. Like, it does uh-huh. sort of add up yeah. to a good thing. Yeah. Tom Cruise is like a holy knight who refuses to wear pants. It's yes. just, uh-huh. like just running around in no pants. Armor with no pants. Everything is. Curry is like the sexual devil. Yeah, dude. And it's all filmed through like a really soft filter. So everything is like super fuzzy and gauzy. It looks like an 80s music video. And I just love the whole thing that that movie says of uh, you've seen other devils in other movies. Not till this, dude. Like just <laughs> this the biggest horns. This is still one of the best movie devils of all time. Absolutely. This yes. comes from that practical effects like when they were really like just super crazy because nobody did computers yet. All right, so you guys, we can't just talk about legend. I'm sorry, it's it's not allowed. Do we, as a podcast, do we like stand Tim Curry? Ryan, Ryan, that's a good question. I don't see him in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Yeah, but yeah, we're all we're all Curry supporters. I think we're appreciators, but I think our love of Tim Curry falls below the level of some. That's the thing is that like we have Jeff Goldblum in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so we're right there with the rest of society. Yeah, I don't know if we're there with the rest of society with Curry with Tim Curry. Not even the rest of society, but. Mike, if you like Tim Curry, you have to fucking let, like, we would be like, yeah, we love him. And people would be like, oh, really? And say all these factoids. And you're uh-huh. like, I, I'm sorry I said I liked somebody. It's I'm, gr- I'm so apologetic. It's Grateful Dead Theory. It's either d- you've never heard of them yeah. or you dedicated your life to mm-hmm. him. What about just, like, Curry? Mike. Mike. Fucking love a good Yeah, movie. dude. Oh, Mike. man. I when I was a kid, I don't think I would ever eat something called a curry. Right now, if you just said it's, I'm just it's it's a curry. Ryan, I'm gonna eat it. Ryan, mouth likes it, butthole does not. Okay, very true. Sometimes Ryan. the butt doth protest <laughs> too much. According to the trivia section of IMDb, quote: "Uniquely, Marriage Story is a love story told through the lens of blank." Mike. Mike. Divorce. Divorce is correct. <laughs> that's so stupid. Is that trivia? <laughs> that's just, that's, that's just, I didn't know what else to write for my review. No, that's a question. That's not that, trivia. Is that trivia? No. No, right? right? That is not trivia. But in another very real way, that is trivia. This segment has ended. This segment brought to you by Factoids. Factoids, they're interesting. When we come back, we're going to have another in-depth conversation. Everyone is trying to decide whether or not this is more Charlie's fault or more Nicole's fault. But this is mostly Henry's fault, right? Yes. This kid should have loved them both more. 
I I just I I think that it's hard to argue that Henry's not a dud. I right. I yeah. mean, I like I'm I feel bad for him that he's going through this divorce obviously, but there are several things pointing to the fact that this kid is a complete chud. I was thinking about this like it's such a great opportunity to hire like the best eight-year-old actor yeah. in Hollywood. Uh, I was thinking about, uh, is it Nora from Once Upon a Time uh-huh. in Hollywood who just destroyed the yeah. movie? I don't know. Uh, like, I don't know if that would have taken away too much from Nicole and Charlie, but man, this kid really does bring nothing to the table <laughs> ex- except for, and I want his agents to hear this. Like yeah. they need to let him go. Um, except for the fact that he, uh, he tries Charlie. Like we hear in the opening notes about why I love Charlie, uh-huh. that Charlie loves all the bad parts about being uh-huh. a dad. Yeah. And uh, Henry no longer has tantrums. He's no longer like uh, shitting his diapers, but he's at that point where he just, he, he's either purposefully saying hurtful things to Charlie uh-huh. or just doesn't know what hurtful means. And Charlie, we have to watch Charlie just be patient and sort of slowly lose patience with this throughout well- the movie. What what's great about starting with those why we love each other is it makes it sadder when we realize they're getting divorced. But it's also yeah, Charlie's a great dad and loves the bad stuff when life is good. That's pretty yeah. easy to do. But I don't when, know. Is that did you have a dad? I don't know if that's true about most dads. <laughs> when your life is a sham, like it's much harder, and it does feel like Henry is doing it on purpose because we don't see him treat ScarJo that way. And if he was like. If it, if it was like, I'm just being a kid, he would kind of just spray it to all fields throughout the movie. But it does feel like he's just like, fuck you, Dad. You fucked Marianne from... I, I think that's a good point. Not like point-worthy point, but I think it's a good <laughs> point. Uh, in that uh, Nicole remains the villain, or like the more spiteful person for so yeah. much of the movie, until you really think about what that decade of marriage must have been like. Uh-huh. And yeah, Char- Charlie had it, his whole thing set up. Where he knew when work was, and he could go to work, and then he could come home and be the perfect dad. Yeah. And he had it all going his way. And to he didn't know that Nicole wasn't having it going her way, unless he thought about it for more than a minute, uh-huh. which he wouldn't do. But yeah, once Nicole, it's going Nicole's way, then life gets hard. It's right. hard to like, uh, you know, have time for the job and the travel and the uh, playing. Like they they put a huge emphasis on yeah. how great Nicole is at playing, and Charlie is good if he can compartmentalize that 10 minutes of his life or whatever. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, at this point in their lives, he, there's no way he can do that. Yeah. I mean, there's actually a scene, right? Where Henry's like, Hey, let's like, pl- like play. And he's just like, no, too tired. Get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Which I also related to. Sometimes you're too tired. And you but is it kid to go away? It does come back though. to Henry is unlovable, right? <laughs> yeah. He's such a little dud judge shit. Yes. Okay. It's, th- it's that like, He's not a middle-aged white male. No. But he will be soon. So I, soon. That guy in the last season of The Good Place that we're focusing uh-huh. on, Henry's going to be that guy sooner than you think. Does it Does it feel like, maybe I was going to say subtle, but maybe not so subtle as like, this is what's wrong with like liberal artistic parents who are like, whatever you want, baby. The world is yours and you're so special. Like, we're going to give you a toy for pooping. They Yeah, they feel like the kind of parents who don't punish their kid and that's fucking uh-huh. stupid. No, I don't... I, I get where you're coming from, but I think that uh, Scarlett Johansson carries, or Nicole carries, so much of that load as far as being a great mom, mm-hmm. and uh, so much of that is sacrifice. You know, it's not the not punishing, but also the I'm gonna give my I put in the time is the thing that she yeah. says, and then she follows that up with, and that time sucks. That time sucks. You know, you're with you're Every- with a complete dweeb. <laughs> And then you had a son. Everybody thinks that uh, they grow up too fast, 
But not always. No, Sometimes yeah, it feels yeah, like they don't so grow fast awful. enough. Okay, check that. it out. This kid doesn't like to feel the breeze on his legs. Right? Like, yeah. being anchored to that, what a downer. Oh, okay. And let's talk about the weirdest part of the movie, where Adam Driver um, finds out that actually uh, his worst enemy is him. The one that's cutting him is him. Yeah. And that he does it literally. And then he bleeds a lot. And then he passes out on the floor. And Henry can barely even notice. <laughs> He's like, yo, dad, what's up? Oh, you're tired? And then walks away spilling and milk all over the floor. Spills, so b- the blood and milk just mixed together. Right. Try is, not to die, I guess. Is that a better title for the movie? Blood and milk mixed together? Yes. I, I have a question that'll make the last 10 minutes uh, where we said this kid was a fucking dud sound uh, really cruel. Is he supposed to be special needs? No, he's supposed to be getting totally fucked up by the fact that his parents are like, so wrapped up in their divorce with each other that they're less available and that they're gaslighting him by acting like nothing super fucking strange is happening when he knows for a fucking fact something yeah i'm i'm ripping on this kid as a joke he's the ultimate victim in this he's the tragedy in this. he's falling apart in several different ways because they are so wrapped up in their war against each other you can tell because uh he enters his own world constantly and he's hard to break out of and that is common of a kid his age but i think it's more severe here uh, and then also, like, although he doesn't have the strongest character, I do think that he's doing a lot of, like, really classic 8 or 10 or however old he is things. Like, they're, uh, Adam Driver's trying to teach him about English, uh-huh. most likely because what's-her-name is there. Yeah, Martha Kelly. Yeah, she's watching them. And at one point, he just won't answer his dad. And that's a kid thing. Like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to bail on this conversation, which is frustrating for adults. Yeah. And then... <laughs> takes tape, puts it on his mouth, and falls to the ground. Like, that is really how right. most kids would handle it in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, it, it's... You can see that he is struggling so much with what's going on and that they are doing everything for him. And as as Alden, Alan Alda says, like, the irony is that this is supposed to be for him and it's taking money from his future. Mm-hmm. It's separating him from his parents. It's all... And Alan Alda needs to remind both of them of that constantly yeah they they are always making decisions about winning you know and getting what they want never thinking about him that that scene when the the day we meet alan alda is it's charlie's one day with henry and all he's doing is taking to different divorce lawyers and henry's like why would you even want to hang out with me if we can't hang out it's like that's the smartest thing that kid has said the whole time but (laughs) he's like well this is for you but not really see that's that that's the thing that shows how tuned in henry is to what's going right like he, I mean, he, he's aware that his dad doesn't actually want to spend time with him, and he's saying that to him. But because that, he's a kid, you're like, I can trick this kid into thinking that this is right. not what's going on. Because here's here's what's like bullshit, but and would have made like a less interesting movie. But like if because uh, Charlie kept saying we should do it without lawyers, and she's like, well, I lawyered up. If he was just like, okay, whatever you want, she probably wouldn't have gotten angrier. And even if she legally had custody, he would have seen the kid as much as he wanted. But like. Digging that hole and digging that hole and digging that hole because now it's a, a battle of attrition instead of like so actually is, compromising. That's such a good point, then, because that brings up the lawyers again. Is the point of this movie that lawyers are the worst? That lawyers come in and make a hash of this and destroy everything? It almost makes me think so. that uh, I thought this was the are like the baby boomers doing this, or maybe uh-huh. the baby boomers' parents doing this, making divorce be like this very naughty word. Uh-huh. But it feels like the court system has taken it upon themselves to like make sure that like if you get married. You better want to, because we're gonna make your lives hell. Like yeah. they have designed it in like so much that like in hindsight, you shouldn't have married this person because we're gonna fuck you now. Yeah, it's it, crazy it, because Go Mike. Even it, just knowing people, even if you do not have kids, 
uh, and you want to split everything, it is way harder and more expensive to get divorced than married. It's bananas. Yes. And uh, it's like a punishment for wanting to split up. And so then it creates the system where I don't have an issue with either one of these lawyers, any of the lawyers that you see, because you need that kind of advocate. Right. They have to fight that. I got my own asshole, is what Adam Driver says before he hires Ray I got my own asshole. And then the (laughs) way that they fight it out in court is almost like a civil squabble between the two of them. They had an energy. Did they... at some point, did they hook up at and, least one time? Well, I think a long time ago, recently, and in the near future. Yeah, right. I, I think that's there was the a lot of energy. That's no matter what, because when they're just with their clients, they're like, I'm on your side, I'm on your side. And they show like grudging respect, but it's showing that like it's not us, Nicole's team versus uh, Charlie's team. It truly is the system versus the people. And the system yeah. does not give a shit about the people, really. Because you can't a- just say, you legally can't say, we're just. I'm gonna live here sometime with the kid. You live here sometime with the kid. You have to go through the process of like really delimiting that. There's a yeah. I mean, there's a couple of times like Laura Dern gets her own like mini monologue. Uh-huh. She doesn't sing a song. She doesn't get the whole Broadway thing, but gets her own thing. Where the point is like the system is the system, and we have to uh, say fuck it and fight it. Yeah. And you sort of don't. You don't want to do that. You want someone else to do that. Like that's what she's good at. And Ray Liotta and Laura Dern are like. Uh, mathematicians like when they argue it is not with all like the red face and the emotions yeah this is their job they can hang out at parties later right. you know and, and then probably compliment each other i'm like what a good you did so was. good yeah it was like what dude it was like watching a kung fu fight or something uh-huh. but the other thing too that's very important is the ray liotta line where he says if we start from a point of like yeah. uh what is it crazy and work our way back reasoning to- reasoning then we're gonna be in the middle of crazy and reasoning yeah so, that's just how all negotiations in law and in life and in business work is that it sucks, but both people have to start off crazy yeah. in order to get to something reasonable. And, and it's interesting. The one time you see him get frustrated and drop like the mathematician is when they're going back and forth. And she's like, he said that MacArthur was half hers. And he's like, that's what you say. That's just what normal, yeah. like, he breaks the lawyers. Like people have uh, normal expressions. And she's like, nope. And like, you can see him crack. He's like, sometimes there are just people being people. And <laughs> Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is that, uh, more so Laura Dern, less Ray Liotta, but both of them obviously had meetings where they weren't like, give me the dirt, give me the dirt, give me the dirt. It was, I'm going to make you think that I'm your friend. Yeah. You're going to open up and you're just talking about how- Because Char- you would never tell me if you knew I was going to go nuclear right. in the Right, of course. Yeah. And, but it seems like that they're both, it's two Dr. Dooms instead of a married couple. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and now we're opening up and she's just logging every single thing that yeah. Nicole says about Charlie and vice versa. Man. Guys, are you sure we shouldn't all get divorced? It seems it fun. It seems so fun. I don't know. If I could be part of one of those courtroom hearings where there's that palpable energy Sexual in the air. Tension? Ray Liotta and Laura Dern can get it, too, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, these are like attra- still very attractive people. Laura Dern in this movie is making me feel weird. Uh, there's that scene where she, like, takes off her shoes to put her feet on the couch. I can't now, because of Quentin Tarantino, I can't see ever see a woman's feet in a movie without being like, is that so weird? Yeah, what are you doing here, I, Noah? I is this, like, a weird to foot? Tarantino. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, that was, like, a foot scene, right? That's that's so distasteful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want that just in the middle of the movie. That's when, like, Ray and Kylo kiss. Like, any, no, I don't like that. That's it, not good. Any feet revealed on screen or off screen is yeah. disgusting. <laughs> Too much for Ryan. They should always be completely bandaged up. Well, Patreon listeners, our exclusive time has come to a, co- a close. We will now escort you out of the VIP area so you rejoin join the rest of the non-paying cattle. But thank you for your support. And when we come back, we are going on a little tram ride to a place I like to call 
the tram stop. It's nice and cozy in here. I'm glad they put wallpaper up. That's a nice touch. You guys can't see this, but there's a delicious spread here. I know it's confusing for you, but it's not wallpaper. It's a cabinet liner. Like it's uh-huh. drawer. It's <laughs> the bottom of drawers, and they just put it on the wall. It's easier to get. Get get. It's cheaper. Different patterns For- available. Forks stick to it. Forks will just stick to it. Is that what drawer lining is for? Yeah, yeah. sticking forks. I don't. I don't want the edible wall because that's gross and it'll get moldy. But if I could just have a wall where all my utensils are on that I can grab whenever I need them, that's dope. Oh wait, hang on. Here we go. Here it goes, guys. <clears throat> Welcome to the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Found out the other day that guy's name is Dirk. Oh yeah. Yep. You just never know when there's one of those around. But yeah, he's a Dirk. Dirk. Well, guys, we I think we all know what a Hall of Fame is, right? It's where you put the best of something so that everyone can come and, I guess, think about it. Like, oh, wow, that guy had a bunch of home runs. Uh, but we wanted one that is just for us, just for the things that made us who we are. So this is the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. And we've each brought a person, place, or thing that we think should be in the Hall of Fame. Verb? Can we do verb? Like mm-hmm. jumping? What if you love jumping? Well, then if you're talking about jumping in that sense, it's actually a noun, right? Because it's the thing jumping. Oh, it is the jumping, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's called a gerund. Um, but um, let's all say something that we think should be in the Hall of Fame. At but the same time? We each only get two votes. So maybe nothing gets it in. Maybe two things get in, but there's always somebody who leaves this segment feeling very upset, and I think that's why it's good. It's been a while since we voted nothing in, mm-hmm. and I will point out to both of you that uh, each time something comes in, that bus that we build is $250,000, and that does come out of our paycheck. Yeah, so maybe, maybe slow it down a little. Yeah. Is that why my bus. paycheck has been so deeply negative recently? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. I thought that was a mistake. I don't want to say anything, but I owe the company like $750,000. By 5 p.m. tonight, please. But Yeah, that's okay. I'll uh, liquidate some stuff. Mike. Move some money around. You are nearest to my heart. Thank you. And dearest to your What would you like to see in this, our pop filter hall of fame? I would say this person is the reason for the season. Uh, Every few years, the world freaks out about how great they are. And those of us in the know are just like, yeah, they are great. Uh, From running and fighting dinosaurs to becoming maybe not that enlightened uh, to luring the hell out in this movie. I think Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Uh, is one of the best working actors. And all shows that are canceled probably should have been canceled quicker, except for uh-huh. that show needs to come back. I feel like with Laura Dern, it's like a coin flip. Sometimes she is the best part of the thing she's in. Like she does an amazing job in Marriage Story. Um, oh, but- and by the way, not uh, like a lock to be nominated, to win. Yeah. Like, the world wow. was already decided, yes. Uh, so she did a great job, obviously. But then, like, in something like The Last Jedi, I just felt very mechanical and wooden. So, for me, she's she's hit or miss. But I do like the um, narrative around her, you know, that she's, like, so fabulous and cool and amazing, and she should hit us with her car. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fun. I like any time we talk about somebody like that. But still, Rachel Dratch, hit me with your car. <laughs> Wherever you're at. Uh, also, <laughs> would go real nicely next to 
Jeff Goldblum in the Hall of Fame and Jurassic Park in the Hall of Fame. That's true. Uh-huh. Guys, we're one Sam Neill in the Hall of Fame away. You could from... have a whole a whole wing. A wing, right? That's very thematic. I love that. That's what people want out of the Hall of Fame. Okay, Ryan, what do you think deserves to be in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame? You guys both know what I motherfucking think. It's a whole new season where we can nominate whoever we want, and there's only one reason for the season. The person that is responsible for why we're standing here, the only person that we actually look up to, the only person in the world that we think is better than us, it's Paul F. Tompkins. I am Paul nominating F. him from the Hall of Fame. So this is a renom. This is the fourth time. This fourth is the fourth time? time, yes. Wow. Uh, and, and he has always been stymied. I'm going to say because... Of Maybe it's Taylor that always votes mm, him out. Maybe. Yeah, he's run up against some tough classes. Uh, and I love Paul F. Tompkins, but I think I love him slightly less than the two of you do. Right. So then with Taylor's like weird anti-Paul F. Yes. Tompkins takes, I think that, that that has made it hard for him. But hopefully, it's interesting because I'm renoming as well. <gasps> oh, and I thought these gentlemen were going to be the most renomed, but it might be Paul F. Tompkins because this is, I believe, the third time they have been pitched. I've just been pitched by everybody but me on the current show. Uh, we owe everything we have to the band Blink-182. Uh-huh. None of us would understand music. By the way, uh, I was on Twitter the other day, and I saw Mark Hoppus asking like the most basic music question. He was like, how do you do this one chord? How do you play guitar? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I finally thought, time to learn. I thought that was so funny. He's like, hey, music people, what do you call it when you press like a bunch of the strings at the same time and then do strummies? Blink-182 <laughs> was very important for all of us when we were younger gentlemen, but that pin, put, pin the grenade song? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're back, baby. Yeah, so they're still, uh, they're still a modern-day favorite. And... Again, they taught us aliens were real. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we would not know about aliens. For whatever reason, we don't care. This is, like, the, the weirdest thing ever, but we've discovered aliens are definitely real, and we just don't actually we're give busy. a shit. And when yeah. you say we've discovered, it's Tom that Tom discovered. DeLong. Tom yeah. DeLong did. Tom yeah. DeLong discovered it. But then he told the Navy, and the Navy was just like, yeah. And then everyone was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, let's start off with Laura Dern. Uh, Mike, do you vote for your own pick? Ms. Laura Dern, I knowing that that vote will necessarily come away from either Blink-182 or Paul F. Thompson. You only get two votes. You only get two votes. And yet, I vote for Laura Dern. All right. Ryan, do you vote nope. for Laura Dern? No. I know we're in the Dernissance, um, yeah. but come on. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's... It's like supposed to be the stuff that's the most important for us. And because we have been adjacent, it's like the same thing as like the Tim Curry thing. Like... I know what it looks like to love Laura Dern, and I enjoy her, but it's not like she wasn't like foundational. To yeah, me. we know people who are huge like Rocky Horror and TV movie It fans. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that you love that. I, I just I'm not there with you. We are not there with you in spirit or in physicality. So that's two no's for Laura Dern. But Paul F. Tompkins or Blink 182 is going to once again go back <laughs> into the bin. We'll start with Paul F. Tompkins. Ryan, do you vote for your own pick? Paul F. I do vote for Paul F. Tompkins. All right. What about you, Mike? Do you vote for Paul F. Tompkins with your final vote? I do. Oh, Paul F. Tompkins. And you know what? I will do it. I will vote for Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, He's 
probably the funniest person alive. Yes. So I guess since comedy is so important to us, we should have the funniest person alive. Is that our... why you didn't vote for so long? Is because we moved you to number two? I have to say I am butthurt. Yeah. Because uh, everyone always says Pop Tom is the funniest person alive. And I just always kind of hope that it would be me or at least my friend Larry, the cable guy. I do every day, Larry. I do every single day. So Paul F. Tompkins is in, and that point goes to Ryan. Ryan. Well, Blink-182 can't make it in. I definitely would have voted for our boys in Blink. Uh, Mike, you have no voice, votes left. Ryan, what do you think? You know what? Th- you said this is the third time? Yeah, so now they're the most like non-voted in remaining. And I have voted against them twice, I believe. You pitched them once and then voted against them. <laughs> Classic. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a weird guy. I'm complicated. Um, I think that now I have seen them live since the last time we voted. Um, Which is not the way to see them, right? No, yeah. yeah. No, it's important to see them. Yeah, yeah you don't want that experience. Uh, ideally, you are not facing them, yeah. watching another band play silently. Um, if this was Travis Barker, it would be Slammy D. Oh, yeah, dude. I think that I'm going to vote yes. All right. Blink-182, not in, but with a strong two votes. Well, it looks like we have a class of one this year. Who is it, Ryan? Your class of one is one, Paul... Volume Fompkins Tompkins. I cannot wait to see his entrance into the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. That'll make quite a good display. When we come back, we're going to have one more interesting conversation about this here dang old movie. Is this movie hopeful at all? Is there any point to getting married, falling in love, meeting people, watching movies, being born? Is that dark? Was that dark? I'm sorry. You know, it sounded like that I was... I didn't mean to sound like I was shitting on Alan Alda's character. Uh-huh. I thought that was bad writing. And having finished the movie, I think it was actually important. Like, without it, I may be too stupid to realize a lot of the movie's themes. Uh-huh. And the stuff that he was saying, I think, uh, is important and really held up throughout the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Watching Adam Driver... What specific things are you talking about here? Just like, he was like, hey... um, just so you know, uh, time heals all wounds, yeah. and it will get better. Yeah. You know, maybe Henry will go to college on the East Coast, which cracks Charlie. He's yeah. like, well, that's right. fucking... What are you talking about? That's his whole life. That's yeah. like the part of his life I care about the most. Also, he's a moron. He's a West Coast college kid for sure. Because the thing that he said to that really stuck with me was that whole, you want to be the good guy in, in divorce. You weren't the good guy. You weren't the good husband in marriage. You wanted to be the good husband in divorce. Right. That, I thought, could have been the title of the fucking movie. Right. <laughs> And and I think Alan Alda is saying he's on his fourth. He's a divorce lawyer who's on his fourth marriage. Yeah. And the gut reaction is like stop, but he's like, yeah, it's gonna take eventually. Like I do think like the point of love in most movies is like it is better to try and be happy and with people sometimes than be like I will be alone forever. Yeah. So not Yoda, anti Yoda then. Anti Yoda. Right. Uh, she gives the worst gifts. And, but I think starting with what they love about each other and then ending with her coming and tying his shoes right now, Nicole is saying I was never happy. It was always awful. Uh I don't think that is true. I think that is how reframing can happen. When you're in the worst of it, you look back and say, I only see the worst. Yeah, totally. And they will be married again. And those marriages will be better. You know, Charlie at one time, uh, I think in the scene calls Nicole out for, you're just going to, get married to like a reverse Charlie yeah. and then all the same shit's going to happen again. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't know. I think that... And don't they... Isn't there... I mean, isn't the end of the movie happy and hopeful, really? Mm-hmm. Because hasn't he learned how to like hear what she wants and try to accommodate yes. that? I think it's bittersweet happiness, right? I don't think it's a mistake or just a coincidence that he dresses as a ghost 
in the Halloween. Well, there's two fucked up things that happen in that last scene when he comes over for Halloween. First of all, now they can do Halloween together. Yeah. So that's a big change. But one, uh, she gets nominated for an Emmy for directing. Which Uh obviously has a fucking effect on him. And Charlie goes through nine different emotions hearing about that and then lands on, I'm very proud of you. And then tells... Uh, Nicole, that he's going to take a residency at UCLA now. Yeah. Not in the middle of their marriage. And then her face goes And then she goes through 11 different emotions. And ultimately, you have to land on, I'm happy. I have to be happy. Yeah. Later on, right after that, Nicole walks in on Charlie and Henry reading the letter from the beginning Uh that Nicole never let Charlie see. And they're just crying. And you can tell the way that both of them cry. Adam Driver cries like holy shit it's fyc but in the best way possible yeah. uh and then uh nicole also cries he's an ugly crier he just goes for yeah. it he just <laughs> yeah. jumps in the bottom lip is it touches yeah. his forehead at one point um but they're both crying in uh it's not like oh henry in marriage story 2 you should definitely get a parent trap going on it's uh-huh. crying in like uh the past is like important it's sad mm-hmm. yeah but, and it, it, it holds a high regard in our lives but it's not going to happen again yeah and that was all super important and hopeful right. i think yeah right yeah I, I, it, all that time had to have passed for them to be able to be mutually proud of each other to be able to feel those tears instead of just raw fucking anger now you can look back and be like look at the kid that dud kid we built <laughs> look at like that like, he can finally can read, finally. right? Now he yeah, can finally read. God, sort of. So if the uh, Invisible Man costume is too on the nose, is the Frankenstein? Like, he's just some <laughs> monster that they, they both... built him yeah. out of pieces. <laughs> I, I think it, w- it was fucked up is that not that he was a ghost, but that he is specifically Casey Affleck from a ghost story. And it's just like, <laughs> mm, that's not who you want to be, ever. But that's- we also never see him with the ghost costume. He has tucked it under his arm every time we see him, knowing that, like, this is a part of him now, uh-huh. but not his entire <laughs> persona, you yeah. know? Um, what do you think the movie ultimately says about marriage then on the balance? Because it, it, it feels like we're supposed to come away thinking that even though what they had uh, is gone, it's not, it doesn't cease being beautiful, right? So what are we saying about marriage? Should, should they be these temporary unions yeah, of, of joy? I, I, we live forever now, man. You Before <laughs> you'd get married at 15 and be dead by 21, and that was great. But like, I, I do think marriage is like jobs that it, it's foolish to, I think it's, I don't know if the movie's explicitly saying this, but I maybe that it's it's foolish to assume one person can be your confidant, best friend, lover, temptress. Like it's it's it, that's insane. Uh-huh. So you have to have like a widespread network, and at different times of your life, you're gonna have different times, and just goddamn learn. I think that's a key: is learn from the shit you go through. Yeah, and I, in your intro, Greg, which I think was wrong. I don't know why you said that. Stuff. A wrong intro. Uh, that uh, it's a divorce story more than a marriage story. Yeah. But I do think the title is... Also, there was that bit of trivia from IMDb. There is that one, too, yeah. is that it is more of a marriage story where uh, you don't... We're piecing together their marriage throughout this divorce, you know? And uh, that's uh, sometimes for worse. Like, I think that if we watch that intro scene again with the two letters, a lot of the things that they're listing about what they love about each other are actually bad. Yeah. You know? right. They seem good there. But then... By I the, love that he's stupid. <laughs> And doesn't mind well, he, that he's always fucking wrong about every single thing ever. One of his for hers is sometimes she listens too hard and for too long. That doesn't sound good ever. That's like, pay attention to anything else, please, for a second. <laughs> but I, I think that we're seeing that, like, I mean, not to sound cliche, but, like, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. Like, this was clearly a great marriage full of love at one yeah. point. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a disaster like it was. You know? Yeah. It wasn't just the lawyers making it hard. Yeah. It was, I mean, that scene in the apartment that we've been talking about doesn't happen 
unless the marriage was totally worth it, I think. Right. To me, it, and- it seems like the story of their marriage really is that for whatever reason, she can never communicate her like hurt or anger towards him until when it's time to do it. It all comes out in one awful like couple year period. And then that's when they really start knowing each other. And that's when they can really start like sort of being with each other. But either his fault or her fault, both of their faults, they just never learned how to communicate when she wanted something from him in an effective or clear way until finally Laura Dern was just like screaming it in a courtroom. Or she did and he was great at refusing to listen or putting it like, oh, down the road. Or yeah, whatever. she's the ghost and in their marriage. He's the ghost in their divorce, but she's the ghost in their marriage. And that's surrealistic is because she's like, you promised. He's like, there were things we talked about. But like, I think the movie's showing like why both of them are the villain or I guess neither comes out a hero, but like neither is, is the worst because it, it's truly showing like there's no one truth. Yeah. Like, here's the exact moment that this happened, and it's completely different when they tell it. Which I think is very impressive how the movie did that without doing any Rashomon like stuff. (laughs) Like, nobody is just like watching Rashomon in one scene, or they have like the poster up in in their door. Somebody suggested watching Rashomon, but Baumbach was like, no, legend. He will watch the movie, legend. (laughs) Uh, Before we peace out, what is particularly Baumbachian about this movie? Uh, I mean, we talked about it before about the whole. There's so much specific in it. Like Charlie and Nicole are such specific people, uh-huh. which is handled not just by what they fight about, but again in the beginning with the notes. Um, that you would think that it's just to Bambakian characters, but the specificness actually brings out the like how relatable they both are. Uh-huh. You know, so if you've been through anything like this, whether it's a breakup or your parents got divorced or you got divorced, you're going to. Like, feel all of it, even yeah. though you are not Charlie or Nicole. Yeah. And I, I think Bombach in a lot of his movies, right. and, like, this is obviously, like, the, the obvious spiritual connection is Squid and the Whale. And oh, yeah, just yeah. Not from Henry's point of view. Uh, Which would be terrible. As monstrous. <laughs> but, like, I do think all of his movies are kind of about, like, the thing you thought would be the thing that saved you is going to hurt you at some point. That shows yeah. up in, in so many of his movies. Right. And it's definitely here. This feels the most naturalistic of all of his movies like it, it felt very organic it's interesting and, and not twee. he always has such clever dialogue and in this movie it felt like he tailored it so it was a little more naturalistic but still had that edge mm. of his like extreme cleverness like you got to do the scene again it's it, it's gonna end in the same fight with the same brutality but you got to rewrite your lines a little <laughs> bit yeah and that worked for it right i can see you can see, you see nothing. Speed round. You can see absolutely nothing, and you will stop talking. L.A. versus New York. Is there a more interesting national debate? Is there more the country cares about, possibly, than whether New York or L.A. is best? Uh, probably how people of color walk versus how white people walk. I think <laughs> that's, people are very invested in that. That's a very good one. Uh, I love how when they were in Laura Dern's L.A., very L.A. office, uh-huh. with all the coffee and pastries you could want, they sent the two New York guys. Adam Driver. And then Alan Alda to me is just very New York. Yeah. Even, uh-huh. even though he was in Korea, I think, yeah. for a very long time. Um, into the most New York, like, shitty, brown, no pastries, no coffee office. A weird triangle office. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why would you design the office like that? Um, L.A. versus New York. L.A. clearly very cool. New York very cool. Why Why does there have to always be such an oppositional nature between those two? Because L.A. is better. 
Because I yeah, it is having lived in both LA is better. Okay, but it is interesting that like there's also San Francisco versus LA, and people who live in LA for both of these rivalries are like, I like that city, I like visiting, and it's people in San Francisco or New York are like, fuck LA, and LA's like, what? <laughs> I'm cool with you, like, because LA rules. I can't hear you because of all the space. I have so much space. There's so many cool cities. Can't we just like them all? I, it's so weird how often we define things by things we don't like. I say no. We Travis. can't like them all, and let's start a new rivalry. <laughs> LA versus London, Kansas City. Oh, Kansas City. Kansas City is actually a pretty cool place, I guess. Um, does Marriage Story in any way confirm that whatever longing we still had for Woody Allen movies will be filled by Noah Baumbach? I sort of think we just answered that one. I think that like back in the day when he made us feel like that we could relate to these people, even though they were so specific and uh-huh. they talked in a specific way, that's what we all glommed onto, right? It was not the kitty rape. It was <laughs> the dialogue and the, the relationship. I thought it was that nervous fellow that was in all of them. And I mean, the LA and New York thing, too. Yeah. Like, that he yeah. was all about that shit. And Bob Box like, you know what? I'll just not touch any money weird, and I'll continue to make these movies. Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think that maybe gives us Ryan. a new Woody Allen, but I was surprised... Uh, at the connection when I first heard people make it. Um, because, again, I always feel like his stuff gets built, Bombach stuff always gets built a little bit towards the dramatic side, but they really are comedies in the same way yeah. that, like, Annie Hall is a comedy, mm-hmm. right? Well, what, what's great about Bombach is, like, because there's drama means never levity anything, comedy means, like, Seth Rogen's laughing is laughing it, and Bombach <laughs> is just making stories about real-ass life that having both parts make both parts more powerful yeah i think one of the most important things too is that after the first two movies but i think before squid and the whale he met wes anderson so uh, like as much woody allen as you may or may not feel in these movies the wes anderson of you don't have it doesn't have to be like strict strict realism yeah your brain is not the same as my brain but it can be very much in your brain yeah and i think that's why bomb speaks to me is not because i'm like him but i love how i get to transport into his world mm-hmm. that is a little bit off from ours Right. Are are you guys worried that because every time there's been a, this is our next Woody Allen because we can't have Woody Allen, it was Louie, and then it was Aziz with Masters of None, Shit. is something horrific going to come out about Noah Baumbach? Oh, no. I hope not. How do you think uh, Jennifer Jason Lee feels about this movie? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, Complicated, okay, right? When I was doing the trivia, I read something very telling on the IMDb trivia page, which I only go to to make sure I have better questions than theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that he says that she loves it. He says, Noah Baumbach says, Jennifer Jason Lee says, this is a great movie. Uh, man. Is I, that on the poster? I am so <laughs> interested in that in that statement. I mean, the movie is. Why do we even go to him as like a. Yeah. <laughs> do not talk to Jennifer Jason Lee. The movie is heralded for being uh, like equal and both sides and everyone's equal hero and villain. But still, it's not her, though. We haven't heard from her yet. Yeah. Right. Should she just make her own movie? And I do feel like there's a lot of ways in which the movie can't help but kind of see Charlie as more of a victim of it than... Right. And that's because that's where we are right now. It does seem like she's worse. But only if you're like fully going in open trying to listen to what everybody's saying right now she's being more aggressive and harder but please listen to how she's describing the first 10 years of their relationship and you realize it can't just be she's the worst yeah i mean he really is like almost abusively indifferent to her based on what she talks about their relationship being like back then but there are kind of ways in which he confirms it but like to Mm -hmm. be like for her to say he, it would be crazy if he looked to me and said, what do you want to do today? What oh, the hurt. fuck? That's I'm, so nuts, dude. That's a 
That's like abusive. There's a lot of ways where this is like a 2019 different directed uh, like update of Phantom Threat. You know? Yeah. And like mm-hmm. we see it almost right away after the uh, babysitter who cannot stop masturbating <laughs> leaves. Uh, and they know they're getting a divorce. He still can't not give her the note about yes. her performance. And it was the yeah. last performance of the play. Yeah. She cannot change her Why? performance. Because he has to like constantly correct her. He says after they get after they're like basically getting divorced, he's like, You cut your hair. And she's like, Yes. And he's like, I like it longer. <laughs> Brother, guess her what? Reaction you is don't perfect. have to she worry just about laughs, laughs and she's like, oh. <laughs> that that remind me, and there's nothing connected but in uh Mall Rats when uh, Shannon Doherty and Jason Lee are fighting, and he's like, "Well, maybe you can have the dirt mall on Saturdays." And she's like, "I don't have to do your bullshit anymore." Yeah, <laughs> and it's these very art- finicky artistic men who are just like, "The world will do whatever I say." So, from <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee to Jason <laughs> Lee, we have all of those <laughs> reactions covered. All right. Well, that is the end of the speed round. When we come back, I'll have tabulated the scores, and we will talk about what we think the prospects for this movie are going into the future of our 2019 season. I have tabulated the scores. Mike, you got 25 points. I don't like my name coming first, best friend. That That's a high number, but is it a best friend number? No, it's not, because, Ryan, you got 31 points. 31? Ryan, what do you think was your main advantage here? Uh, I actually watch movies. I don't think that Noah... Oh, damn! I call him Noah Bumbach instead of Noah Bumbutt, which is what Mike calls him, and so he doesn't really like his movies. Okay, well, there you go. Mike, why do you think you were not able to to win tonight? So your stipulation for being good at reviewing movies is liking the movie? That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. (laughs) You should get points Appre- removed. Appreciating the filmmaker and not just hating him because somebody that you hate happens to like I him. I don't hate him because of that. I don't hate him. We just disagree on one movie. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes you just get edged out. I think Ryan, he, he got really on the ropes, hurt that he wasn't a best friend for a few weeks, and then he, he just... We don't all have time to sit around and watch a movie eight times. I don't know. Oh, so you think that like because I lost last week, I just came yeah. to play? You were that, is, that is true. That is, that is accurate. That's 100% accurate. <laughs> Uh, so we know Ryan, obviously you were the winner. You are my best friend now. How do we think this movie's going to do when, when we do the 2019 season? Uh, how do you think it's going to do in the 2019 season? I think that I came off a little bit like, I don't know, snarky about this movie. Uh-huh. I fucking loved it. I think it was nearly perfect. I'm yeah. not sure what could compete against it. You know, we didn't laud it as much as honestly, as I talked about it, I liked it more and more. But one thing I noticed was it's hard to talk about anybody's performance in the movie without jumping to another actor yeah. who also did a really good job, uh, except for the kid who played Henry, who's not good. <laughs> um, but, uh, and that made me really appreciate it. And then I talk, talking about it made me realize how genuinely funny and like fresh it was. I definitely feel like this is the type of show where I get to the end of it and I feel like I like the movie more than I did before mm-hmm. we actually did the show. That's because we've talked about it's funny and, and ScarJo gets shit on a lot. In, li- in life, we've said good things about her. Well, one of the funniest lines in the movie is her delivery of, uh, that's all we're going to do, just fingering. I'm changing my whole yeah. fucking life. Uh, <laughs> and that's that line could be said in so many different ways, and she said it the funniest, most empowered way you could say it. Also... <laughs> That's hot. Like you know exactly. Like you know exactly what she's there to do. You know exactly what line not to cross. You know what's going down. Some fingering is better than no fingering. Did you guys recognize that guy in the drug rug who obviously came to a Halloween party in the fucking weed smelling clothes that he woke up in? <laughs> I called it a costume. That was Lucas Neff, the dad from Raising Hope, uh, hit sitcom on the Fox Network. Okay. Oh wow! Very interesting. <laughs> also, 
Uh, Hollywood, I know you're listening. Uh, Catherine fucking Hahn did not make it into the Pop Filter Hall of Fame for never uh, being in movies. She just came into like every 10th movie for five years and uh-huh. stole it. Merritt Weaver, I would like to see in every fucking yeah. movie from here on out. Yeah, we hereby demand more Merritt Weaver. And, and just like imagine you're like a casting director or something. You get to get credit for how good she is at something she does just by being like, let's put her in it. Also, do you know what was weird about those two sisters? Did it feel like that she rated her mom's 70s closet and Scarlett Johansson rated her dad's uh-huh. 70s closet? <laughs> Did you notice what they were wearing Dude, the whole time? One of my favorite parts of the movie, bringing up dads, is where she's like, you're like your father. So he comes back and says, you're like all the parents <laughs> you're like, the two of us <laughs> you're, like, you're the worst parts of all those people we just listed off. <laughs> At some point, you can't be like hurt by that, right? You're just like, oh, you're just yeah. screaming things. Do you guys have that? When my wife busts out the you're being like your father line on me, that is an argument winner. That's uh-huh. like, she has to use it with care. But when she busts that out, that means I am I have lost. When my wife says you're being like Greg's dad, it kills <laughs> me. And I would just never say to Kelly, my wife, <laughs> I would just never say you're like your mom. I just... Like, why would you, you do don't want to yeah. get divorced you know, right away. <laughs> I might as well hit her with one of the... You're just fucking ugly. Right, you just do some <laughs> things you don't say when you're involved in a marriage. And definitely one of them is... Well, I think you could probably say nope. that. That would be fine. Ruiner. <laughs> no, no. That's, yeah, that's devastating. <laughs> well, we are very excited about this movie. I think it is the kind of movie that could take down a bracket. It is the type of movie we get excited about it. We don't feel like we completely can encompass it. It made us laugh. It didn't feel like it was way too long. That, you know, does very well in brackets, in our brackets. Yeah, I just wish it was directed by somebody else because, uh, I mean, we want to talk about Noah Bombach, but I know a bum butt who's probably going to shit all over it because he hates me. No, I, I feel like you used the bum butt. Yeah, you just do that bum butt well like four times the same show. Bum butt <laughs> is so good. I could probably do it three more times. <laughs> you guys just didn't react the first time I did it, so I just thought, well, Mike, here's the deal. I think we should clear out of here and let Ryan yeah, have some private studio be, time. Just stew. I don't want to be around this yeah, energy. So we'll just walk out of here. Walk, 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 walk. Okay. God damn. Um, this is this is cool. I am going to uh, have some of my special guests that I invented. Nope, I invited. <laughs> <laughs> to uh to the green room, um they're gonna come out on stage and they're gonna do some announcements for us at the end. Uh, here to talk about, um, let's do websites. Is once divorced, twice divorced. I don't know, three times divorced. It's Mike's dad, Brooklyn Hancart. Hancart Brooklyn. I'm sorry. Uh, I love it. I love it. Come with me right now. Hey Ron, good to see you again. It's not. It's uh, also good to see you. I, I I'm so glad that you took my note of too much cologne and uh, last time I saw you and just changed into a different cologne and there's more. I of thought it. you didn't like my new X body spray, so I went back to my caviar. I do appreciate how you didn't button the shirt up. You just shaved my initials into your chest mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm. I just I want to let I want to <laughs> let my son's friends know I appreciate them. Did you do that in the mirror? Well, yeah. Well, how else would you? Okay, because it. Uh, it doesn't actually say my initials. It's just a lot of blood everywhere. Oh, yeah, but it represents you, because your 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 passion. I'm into it, man. Everything I, everything I see, I feel like uh, represents me. And then you're telling me that this is actually the case yeah. right now. Do you want to join my pickup game? We play basketball every oh. Sunday. All the divorced dads. Okay, is it also a key party or anything? No, we just we just play. We just let our big old dicks swing around in our basketball shorts. No Under Armour. No Under Armour. Okay. Skins be skins. And, 
hand guard. <laughs> skins versus skins is the best way to watch a basketball game. Uh, hand cart. Um, you have abandoned Mike. Sure. Is there is there any? Um, He's a real dud. Websites that you would not abandon. I would never abandon yourpopfilter.com because I'm so proud of you, buddy, and everything you've got there going on. Uh, I want everybody to help you out financially going to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. It's just like regular Amazon, but it helps you out. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Handcart. Get the fuck off the stage. See you next Sunday. You smell so bad. Uh, Here to tell us about other podcasts that we do is the one, the only, the lawyer that divorced my parents, John and Linda. It's Storv Nakacho. Hey, it's me, Storv Nakacho. How you doing? Storv Nakacho. Now, your parents still divorced? They are still divorced, Hooray. yes. Hooray. <laughs> no, you won that one for yes. sure. Yes. I, I, love, I love a story where it stays. How you many know? times did my name come up in all of these conversations that you guys had? Listen, I'm not supposed to say, but I will. A lot. And it's weird. A lot. You were both of my parents' lawyers? I was. Is that legal? Technically, yes. Okay, good. Um, What was the most heated argument that you heard about in that, like, process? Uh, Your mom wanted to get an abortion, uh, and your dad said that she should not. Uh Uh-huh. And then they didn't do it, and your mom always held that against you. Against me, yes. And your father, yeah. How uh, How many cases do you come across where it is the kids fault you know what we tell kids hey look it's not your fault right because kids they're precious but 99 percent of the time it's the kids fault if they had not had kids yeah wonderful life vacations every day hanging out you know no not too many expenses lots of that what's that game called um bocce no where you throw the beanbag into the cornhole cornhole lots of cornhole there's no kids right Soon as you get, as soon as you have a kid, all the cornholing gone. Are you only a divorce lawyer? What's your like most famous case? I only do very sad divorces. Oh man, you yeah. got it right with my so, parents. Yeah. Uh, if if there's like you know if it's like well they're still gonna be in each other's lives and that's nice. I don't do that one. <laughs> only is just like a, a real fist fight. That's when you bring in me. My name. And you, you really did it. Like, it seemed like you went in to completely obliterate my family. Oh, yeah. And it was. Like, Game over, man. Game over, right? They were so nice to each other before yeah. you came in. I remember uh, they both came in the same day. And your mom said, uh, listen, I just I want to be friends when this is all over. It's all that's important to me. And your dad said, you know what? Same. And I said, forget about that. No way. No way, Jose. Not with a not with a duddy kid like you got, right? And that's my brother that you're one talking perfect about. kid. <laughs> that's me and that one duddy kid. <laughs> duddy kid. I am not legally allowed to say whether you or your brother was the chud. Um, I also noticed that they both uh, they both talked about how they would have their heads bumped together uh-huh. often. Is that was that one of your maneuvers? Just to bunk their heads? Yeah, together? Just, you know, a little order in the court. You know, <laughs> just they. They'd be agreeing on something, and I'd just slam their old noggins together. What was, what was your go-to for lunch in the middle of like an arbitration? I would never feed them. That's the thing. Oh, keep them hungry, like yeah. fighting dogs, right? <laughs> just the whole time. It also says here you fight dogs. Yeah, and also, I am a dog fighter. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, I love cruelty. I appreciate that. Is there any podcast that you listen to? Uh, I listen to uh, Superhero Hour Hour, mm-hmm. even though I'm very busy, and an hour of my time is worth a lot more than an hour of yours. Uh, I like uh, the OCD. That's a good one. Uh, and that's that's probably it, right? Those are good ones. Yeah, yeah, movie of the year, but I think obviously the people already know this Hopefully, is a good yes. one. Yeah. 
Is there anything you'd like to say on your last appearance on Movie of the Year? <laughs> G- goodbye and God bless. Goodbye and God bless. Thank you so much, Starve. Uh, Starve Marvin. Here to talk to us about all of our social media is Pepper Kanovitz, the inventor of the candy cane. What's up, Brian? How you doing? <laughs> you invented the candy cane. Yeah, I like whimsy in my life. I think you like whimsy in your life. Life should just be interesting and fun, and everybody should just have a real good time in any way they can. And maybe a little gnome who has a hobbled knee needed to get around. That's how I invented it. Oh, so it's supposed to be a actual working cane for? Hey, look, it's 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 one of those working cane double shank devices. One of those situations. You suck it yeah. long enough, you just shank a motherfucker right in the. The net because I also like whimsy in my fights. Are you in prison currently? No, not currently. <laughs> when was the last time you were there, Pepper? I'm probably not going to talk about that. Probably not, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, would it surprise you to know that uh, no one has ever finished a candy cane and nobody likes them? It, it would. It, it hurts me right to my very soul. If if someone was to tell you that, what would you do to them? I'd probably take this candy cane I have right here and just give it a little. And then uh, show me what's what. And then you have a shift. Right, what's what right through the nostril. It takes, it takes four of the hardest sucks I've ever seen on any candy to just make a shift. An owl who does not three. That, uh, I, I do in four. I guess that's not that impressive. But mine turns into a weapon, not a stupid nugget. What's your favorite flavor of candy cane? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. All right. One of those guys. Uh, okay. I like it because it hurts a little. Are you on social media? I'm not. No, I'm legally not allowed to be on social media. Are you on social because media? Because of prison? I mean, who knows why. Is it prison? Yeah, I had a pretty bad lawyer. Uh, <laughs> was it the guy who divorced my parents? Yeah, I mean, I think he normally did divorces, and he bare-knuckle boxed dogs. When somebody <laughs> says they're a dog fighter, you normally assume that they own dogs and they're a monster that way. But no, this guy, he would just punch dogs in the face. <laughs> oh, he was the dog fighter. I see. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, I've, it's it's hard for me to tell which is the worst person on this show tonight. There's a lot of bad uh, people out there. What about our social media? Have you heard yeah, of that? I've heard that if you go to at our social media, just kidding. That's a joke we like to tell in print. At your pop filters where you could go on Twitter and Instagram. Or uh, I do hear if you go to yourpopfilter.com slash social, it'll uh, take you to everywhere you need to go. You want this bacon Thank flavored you so candy cane? I do not want that, actually. I'm trying out. Because candy canes are awful, right? They're, it's the candy corn of this holiday. Oh, don't you do that to me. Don't you? I'll, I'll take these little baggy candy corns, sharpen all of them, and spit fire them like a gallon gun in your face. Uh, all right, take a minute and sharpen all of those candy corns. <laughs> now, let's take a minute and listen to this. Uh, and then go downstage while I talk to this new person. He is here to talk, us about, talk to us about all the ways to contact us. This is little Fernie Gradowitz, who... Hates marshmallows in his cocoa. Hello, Fernie. It's me, little Fernie Gradowitz. Would you like this, a cup of cocoa? Uh, not with marshmallows. Oh my god! That's... No, thank you. Uh, how about a cup of cocoa without marshmallows? Mm, okay, I accept. But I have this. Uh, I have this bag of marshmallows right here. No, keep those. Uh, get those out of my face. What if we just tried one marshmallow? No, that's like my <laughs> only thing. My defining personality. <laughs> That you gave me is that I have built in myself. What if we had a second personality? What would it be? Trait. It would be gets angry when you push the marshmallow thing. That, that's weird. It, yeah. Like, you came in here so polite uh-huh. and wearing your short pants, and yeah. I love your short pants. 
I pulled the socks up to my knees so but I don't feel the breeze on them. Now your face is getting red and angry, and I'm, it feels like you're wearing long pants. I'm furious. Is it weird that I'm standing on the table? Yes, you're standing on the table. Is that weird? And don't stomp on my marshmallows, please. Okay. I'm kicking them off the table. Uh, okay. Down to the ground you go, marshmallows. How about this? You drink your cup of cocoa with one floor mallow inside of it. Why would I do that? No, of course not. <laughs> no, of course one. not. No. Let's compromise. I, I want you to have 30 marshmallows in your in your you're starting it crazy (laughs) right i don't want want zero so why don't we negotiate here this in fact i'm not going to drink any of this cocoa at all now oh come on i made the cocoa i didn't make a whole pot of cocoa i made specifically one cup of cocoa you had a choice it's hot cocoa no it's not that cold cocoa i I know you hate look at the steam coming off of it look at look at my body look at my body language i refuse it's weird you're angry i know did you talk to that lawyer downstairs (laughs) did he teach you how to act like this taught me how to live to fight for my rights. Okay, little Fernie, um, tell us about ways to contact us, and don't look at your cocoa while you do that. I won't. I'm not. I'm. I'm past cocoa. Oh really? Yeah. I just decided. Now what are you gonna? I drink? no longer like cocoa. I'm a Sprite guy. <laughs> just Sprite. So unless you can offer me a warm glass of Sprite with marshmallows shut the hell in it. Up. Yeah, of course. Why not? <laughs> it was just a combination. You can call one five six two Doctor DJ Pop. That's a uh, it's a phone number. I guess you pick up a phone and you, you put those digits and then you scream into it, uh, or contact at your pop filter, which is email. Okay, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but here is your warm cup of Sprite with marshmallows. Thank in it. you. Can you drink this, please? I'll drink it right now. Can you drink it? Drink, 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 drink. And mmm, I love it. Okay, that this was cocoa. Sprite- that was cocoa oh! with marshmallows. That's I have. I'm. You know what? I'm storming out. Okay, I'm storming out. And did. I'll probably politely leave, but like for the record. But like, don't like push things I'm off surfaces or kick. No. Don't punch a hole in a drywall with a weak fist. But just, I think the impression should be that as if I did those things. But I'm not going to. Greg! Yeah, uh, yeah hey, Ryan. There's craziness. Like, somebody like almost kicked and thought about punching things. I was talking to a guy in the green room. I think I'm leaving Kelly. That's <laughs> yeah, no. Like, he's good at his yeah, job. Yeah, I was very confused by the end of the conversation. And also, I think I'm fighting a dog. <laughs> so, are you leaving Kelly for Mike's dad at Handcart Brooklyn? <laughs> oh, Mike, also, where are yeah. you? Okay, good. Uh, well, that is the end of our A Marriage Story show. Next week, Ryan, what are we doing next week? Is going to be our holiday spectacular? Yes, we're going to do it out. We're, we have a huge budget. We're going to uh, buy all the lights. We're going to record for eight hours. We're going to replay one of our old episodes. It's going to be big. Like it's going to be so big, cool. We play one of our old episodes. Right. Yeah. Middle of the big. And everyone's just like grinding on the dance floor mm. to it. Remember, you can't spell the middle of the big without I. That's true. And I will be on that show. And I will see you next time, listeners. But until then, keep watching them moving.